the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I want to take some newspaper ads and billboards all around the country, and I want to put across the top pictures of five African-Americans who go to this church, dark-skinned African-Americans. And right underneath, I want to put the pictures of five of the whitest people we got. And I want to put this in the, underneath, what do all these people have in common? They all worship Jesus together at Shepherd of the Hills Church. Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, welcoming you to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. It is our mission to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. It's why we are here every night, Monday through Friday on KKLA, to reach this city for Jesus Christ. We are glad you are joining us tonight. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church right here in Los Angeles, and we join him right now as he brings us tonight's message from the Word of God. This commandment, commandment number six, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. Uh, A lot of these commandments, they sound negative, but they're really all positive. You have to remember that they were written to the Israelites who had been in bondage for 400 years. They had been slaves. They had been treated as though their lives were nothing uh, but trash. They were oftentimes killed when they were no longer needed. They were slaves. And now they've been set free and they're coming into the promised land. God wants to let them know these are the new rules. There's not going to be any more of these taking each other's lives. Life is going to be valued. You're valuable. And so you've got to kind of read between the lines when you read these commandments and see that there's a positive side. God's trying to promote life uh, through these commandments. Now, of all the commandments, except the first one that says you shall worship no other gods except me, I suppose of all the commandments, this one is the heaviest that's on my heart. The reason is because we're living more and more in a violent society. Every 22 seconds, someone is stabbed, beaten, shot, or strangled to death in our country. By the time the average American child reaches the sixth grade, he or she has witnessed on television some 8,000 murders and 100,000 acts of violence. We've all become accustomed to it, and so we allow our children to see it. We don't understand what's going on in their minds and in their hearts and the long-term effects of that. It's estimated that one out of every three women And one out of every four men in America have experienced some type of physical abuse or violence. I want to add here at the beginning of this message that if you're currently subject to domestic violence right now, 
You need to take whatever steps you need to take for your own personal safety. Do not remain in that abusive situation. You need to seek counsel. You need to let us know. We'll help you. We'll help you find the right counseling. But you need to know that the home is the last place where there should be anger and abuse. Amen? We have become an angry society. This commandment is actually the shortest of all ten. It's only four words, you shall not murder. But in Hebrew, it's only two words. I want to show you the two words. It's lo ratzak. And that word was, you know, the Bible, Old Testament was in Hebrew, and Old King James was the first to translate it into English. And they got to that word ratzak, and they translated it into the word kill, thou shalt not kill. But that's a poor translation because there's a difference between killing and what it means. Write this down. Lo ratzak means murder, no murder. Let's begin by looking in your notes at what this commandment does not include, what he's not talking about. Number one, he's not talking about taking the life of an animal. That would be killing, but that would not be considered murder, lo ratzak taking the life of an animal. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, God actually said these words to Noah. He said, Noah, every animal that lives and moves will be food for you. Now, the Bible does say in Proverbs 12, 10, just for those of you that want to know where this is in the Bible, the Bible does talk about treating animals humanely. That's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. The second thing, the commandment, is not condemning, write this down, is capital punishment. He's not talking about capital punishment here. But Genesis 9, 6 says these words, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man should his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. Genesis 9, 6. You see, we're made in the image of God. I'm made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. And because of that, no one has the right to take another man's life and go unpunished. In the Old Testament days, everybody say Old Testament, they had capital punishment, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You knocked a guy's tooth out, you had to lose your tooth. You knocked a guy's eye out, you got, you got your eye out. And it was life for a life. Now, what did that do to the people who lived in those days? Well, it was a deterrent. Before you killed someone, you knew, if I kill this brother, it's going to cost me my life. It's a life for a life. Today, uh, because of our judicial system, uh, the average length that uh, sentence a man serves for taking a human life is now eight years. That's, that's the average. Some less, some more. So what is a life worth today? It's worth about eight years. You see, we've lost that deterrent because we no longer as a society believe in capital punishment. But in the Old Testament days, it was a part of their fabric. It's what they believed, and it was a deterrent uh, to uh, taking other people's lives. The third area of exception is just war, a just war. I know this is difficult for some, but, and and I detest war. I, I wish, I wish there were no wars. I would love if there were no wars, wouldn't you? But there are examples in the Bible where if a war is a just war, that it is allowed to take another man's life if it's a just war. A just war, by definition, of something that has a just cause 
a just intent and it's a last resort. I'll give you a couple examples that you might relate to. And if you know your history, the United States of America and our allied forces, the end of World War II, we joined together to defeat Nazi Germany. There were millions of people who lost their lives in that battle, but it was for a just cause. Today is ISIS. ISIS is trying to destroy men, women, children, raping children, burning people at the stake, cutting their heads off. And we, as the United States, to get involved, to help defeat ISIS, that would be considered a just cause, a just war. The fourth area that this commandment does not include is self-defense. Someone comes into your house with the intent of destroying and killing you, your spouse, and your children. God does not expect you to stand back and let that intruder kill all your family. God does not expect you to stand back and let that happen. You have a right to defend your house and the people who live in that house. So what does this commandment include? Well, number one, write this down. He's talking about homicide. The taking of an innocent person's life. In a recent year in the United States of America, one calendar year in America, we had 35,000 murders. Our major cities in America have become the murder capitals of the world. And what I want you to know that murder and homicide and evil are not new. They've been around a long time. The Bible is full of stories of murder. In fact, both the Old Testament and the New Testament begin with stories of murder. The Old Testament, there was a man named Cain that killed his brother named Abel. That's how the Old Testament begins. The New Testament begins with a man named Herod who was killing all the babies in Bethlehem and the vicinity. Killed all the male children, just killing them left and right, trying to kill uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to know is that the Bible, this commandment, Commandment number six, God forbids the taking of a human life by homicide. Second, write this down, suicide. Suicide is self-murder. It's one of the leading causes of deaths for college students and high school students today. If you ever feel that way, I want you to know that the answer to that problem is, is not taking your life. Your family loves you. Your church loves you. God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God is the one who gives life. We're not the ones who are supposed to take life. And for some of you right now, the tide is out and everything looks bad. There's driftwood and rocks and seaweed and you can't even walk and it looks scary. But just know that in due season, that that tide will come back in and God will make everything beautiful again. I know right now some of you don't think it's possible, but it, it is possible. Don't give up. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on God. Seek help. Come to us. Tell us. We'll help you. We'll get you in front of the right people that can help. But we're in this thing together, and I just want you to know that God loves you. This church loves you. Your family loves you. Do not walk down that road if you're in despair today. Number three is euthanasia. This is murder by remote control. This is commissioning someone else to take your life for you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you need to know this. Today, in the state of California, 
You can walk into a clinic and, and be a part of what they call a doctor-assisted suicide. Is what I call it, you know. It's been legal for a long time in Holland. And last year, there were over 5,500 people who walked into a clinic and said, I no longer want to live. And don't think that these are old people that have nothing else to live for. These are people that are young. They're high school students, college students. I want you to know this, that just because something is legal does not make it right. Number four is abortion. The taking of the most innocent of our society. Since Roe versus Wade... We have aborted over 50 million children in this country. This, this is the United States of America. Is it any wonder to you that God has removed his hand of blessing from this nation? The Bible says in Psalm chapter 139, I want to read these verses to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every child is a miracle. Your works are wonderful. I know this full well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Verse 16 says your eyes. Whose eyes? God's eyes. God's eyes saw my unformed body. And the Bible says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. In other words, before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, God knew all the days that had been ordained for my life. 98% of those 50 million children who were aborted were aborted for one reason. Child was not wanted. You say, well, pastor, no child should come into this world unwanted. True. But the fallacy with that statement is that even if the parents don't want that child, God still wants that child. He's ordained their life. A man's rights or a woman's right should never trump the baby's right to live. And the church, we got to do a better job of coming alongside people who find themselves in a crisis situation instead of shoving them to the side and say, oh, you messed up, you, you shouldn't have done that, uh, we, you, we can't undo what they've done, but we've got to come and help. We've got to encourage. We've got to support. We've got to love. We've got to get involved. Many times these couples think they can't afford this child or they, they just can't, they won't be able to make it. We can help them make it. We can help them make it. My third point of this message, and I've really said all that to say what I'm going to say next. God loves us, and God's mercy will protect us or cover us even when we've broken this commandment outwardly. You see, there are those here today who perhaps you have found yourself guilty of breaking one of these commandments, one of the commandments or all the commandments. And you need to know, and I want you to know, I don't want you to leave until you know this, that whatever you've done, that there is forgiveness and there is mercy. That's not good news. That's great news. That's the best news. 
that Jesus paid the debt of our sins. You go, are you sure? Oh, yes, I'm sure. Even if I've murdered someone's life, even if you've murdered someone's life. And to be sure, I believe that all of us are guilty of breaking this commandment. In that it was our sin that caused Jesus to go to that cross. Because if we had never sinned, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Amen? Amen. But we've all sinned. Here's a couple of verses. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. Acts chapter 3, verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Aren't you glad that God raised him from the dead? I've often felt that it was these hands right here. It was these sinful hands that nailed the nails through Jesus' hands and through his feet. You don't have to think that. I've often felt that it was this, this sinful heart is responsible for the crown of thorns to be thrust upon his head. That it was my sinful ways that caused the Roman soldiers to throw the spear through Jesus' side. Because I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. And if I hadn't done wrong, he wouldn't have had to have died. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us. You see, he loves me even though I've broken these commandments. Even though I've broken commandment number six, he loves me. And the Bible says that he demonstrates his love for me, that even while we were yet, quote, sinners, everybody do quote, do it right over your head. I'm a sinner. Even though I'm a sinner, Christ died for us. Christ died for who? He died for us. He died to redeem us. He died to restore us. He died to forgive us. He died to wash our sins away. Praise the Lord. There's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. And this mercy is not just for those who've broken this commandment outwardly. There is mercy for those of us that have broken this commandment inwardly. Jesus said these words in Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said to the people long, long ago, all the way back there in Exodus chapter 20, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But Jesus says, I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother, not that you murder, if you get angry with your brother, you will be subject to judgment. My point is this, we all have blood on our hands. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, our sins. See, I've got to confess my sins. See, some of you sitting out there, and maybe you, maybe you have committed murder. I know we have people in our church that have committed murder. Some of them went to prison. They got out. But they found Jesus, and now they're here. They might be sitting right next to you right now. <laughs> But the point is that God can forgive anybody of any sin if you'll just come to Him. The Bible says if you confess your sins, then He is faithful and just and will forgive you of that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we need. I want you to turn over to Psalm 103. I, gotta, I have to read this. We can't leave without, until I read this to you. Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, the Lord is compassionate, and he's gracious 
And he's slow. He's slow to what? Oh, you ought to be happy about that. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in what? He's abounding. That verse, that verse, that was the only verse you knew. That verse ought to cause you to come to church every weekend and just fall on your face in thanksgiving to God. Verse 9, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. We do that. Verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad that God doesn't pay us according to our sins? Because if God gave us what we deserve, he would take each and every one of us in this room right now and he would throw us straight in the pit of hell because that is what we deserve. Because we all have blood on our hands. Verse 11, for so as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You see, you need to make sure that before the sun sets, if you have any ill will, anger in your heart, you need to let go of that. Our culture, our nation will never move forward as long as we're bound by the transgressions of our past. We've got to learn to let go and to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Do you understand that? So I want you to write this down. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. The greatest love was when God loved us. We're all sinners, yet God loved us, right? And now, how in a culture do we survive? We survive by offering that same forgiveness to others who've sinned against us. I know what I want to do if I had the money. I want to take some newspaper ads and billboards all around the country and I want to put across the top pictures of five African-Americans who go to this church. Dark-skinned African-Americans. The darkest. Five of you. And right underneath, I want to put the pictures of five of the whitest people we got. And I want to put this in the, underneath What do all these people have in common? They all worship Jesus together at Shepherd of the Hills Church. And then, I'm going to put the pictures of five UCLA people. Right underneath five USC people. What they have in common? Nothing. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They all worship Jesus together, Shepherd of the Hills Church. We know that many are living in fear with the current events that are happening in our world. But God's Word is here to comfort us in these days of uncertainty. In John 14, 27, Jesus told His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. If you are in need of prayer tonight, we have operators standing by and ready for your call 
we are here for you and ready to support you with any prayer needs you may have. Call us right now at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Please know that we are here for you. We also want you to know, at the recommendation of health and city officials concerning COVID-19, Shepherd Church will be continuing to hold its weekend services only on the internet and not at any of its campuses for the time being. Shepherd Church is encouraging its congregation and the public to watch the weekend services online. Viewers can connect during our Saturday night service at 6 p.m. or on Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. on either of our websites, shepherdchurch.com and liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.